Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFL is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports, Bros Pod. Uh, I'm here uh, at an undisclosed location, upstate New York. It's snowing. I'll give you a hint, you know, <laughs> if you can figure it out. But it ain't snowing down here. Uh, holding it down and uh, anticipating Christmas amid the pandemic. And, uh, of course, across the way, my friend and co-host, the great Jamal Murph Fee. Murph, what's happening? <laughs> what's, what's going on, Bill? Everything's good over here in Brooklyn. It's also snowing in Brooklyn, uh, so we're getting our first our first winter snow. I feel like it didn't it didn't snow at all last last. Uh, I don't think so. Not that I remember. I mean, I think there was like we had one one snow, right? But clearly, I think you know the whole global warming thing is kicking in. I was just hoping for all the people who are trying to, you know, the restaurants that are trying to like you know, skate with this outdoor thing that we have a mild winter. So yeah, people continue to eat outside. Yeah, it's 2020. So good luck with that. It's good. There'll probably be about eight blizzards. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, you know, people be eating in the blizzard. You know, (laughs) new experience. Um, Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to the shows like our first ever. We've been doing our show for about five years now, maybe four or five years. Yeah, four and a half, probably something. like Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is our first. joint podcast and it's great uh i mean i think it's very fortuitous that uh, we're doing the podcast with the great and wonderful angela rye everybody knows her from cnn really a, a great uh, political analyst uh really strong voice um yep. for um you know for the good things and uh, she's got really a long extensive career uh she's an attorney uh you know like you jamal maybe you mm-hmm. guys could talk talk law (laughs) i I think we'll try to avoid that yeah and uh i believe you're from seattle i believe i think Mm. you went to uh uw university of washington okay um so yeah yeah um so really looking forward to talking to her to kind of put some of this political um reality show Mm. into perspective because it just keeps you know it just keeps going it keeps going i was thinking i can't even imagine it ending you know i don't know what i'm gonna do with myself if i don't have to uh you know complain about trump's tweets um, well see that's the whole problem we can actually <laughs> talk with her with angela too about ratings right, because you right, know he's been right. such a ratings bonanza for the right. last four years just like uh obama was a ratings bonanza that's true sort of the political you know conservative radio and white rain you know i mean uh, sort of right wing kind of thing you know they were like uh Every day, it was just like, you know, Obama administration was a gift that kept giving. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. Uh, no, con- so, no controversy, but just you know, him being himself a black, you know, just a, yeah, a just black like, president in itself was was a ratings bonanza. Oh yeah, yeah, just the black president, black wife and the kids running around the White House. You know, I knew that just had to drive people nuts every day for eight years. So you know, which is why they said, you know, we're just gonna let Trump. any white guy i mean elected uh, joe flacco or somebody i mean you know anybody anybody who's gonna run who was white and said i'm for white people it's okay we want you you know we'll we'll let you right it's our turn yeah it's our turn not to steal let me see how that turned out yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes well yeah i know there are a group of them yeah you know maybe on second thought (laughs) wasn't so bad after all yeah black guy wasn't bad yeah, it wasn't bad. You know, the at the end of the day, it's politics. Right. At the end of the day, you know. Um, so, yeah, so that's going to be great. And then, of course, uh, you know, sports-wise, 
you know, the NFL continues to stumble through a season. I mean, it's just amazing, man. It's just kind of like wading through, like, you know, those battle stories, you know, like in hand-to-hand combat where 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 you got the, 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 the army blizzards of arrows and bullets and orcas, and they still just kind of trudge through. And that's what the NFL is doing, like waves of coronavirus and, and <laughs> a, a barely fielding teams, you know. And they say, that's okay. You know, we'll keep, we'll keep doing it. So, you know. Oh, you're right. And then, and then you know, it's a, they turned it into a positive, like, like we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, games every day. You know, you had a game yesterday. <laughs> You got a game coming up Thursday. You had a, you had a Wednesday game last week. And I was thinking, I mean, and I think I was writing a column about this for the undefeated, you know, because I was about to write a column, you know, killing, you know, oh, the moral, the, these people are immoral. And then I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute, man. I got to watch tonight. And then then I, I got to watch Monday. Oh, yeah, Tuesday? I watch, is there a game Wednesday? Oh, man, no game Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's a down feeling. What? No game? What am I going to no do? No game? Yeah. <laughs> the any kind of game, you know? But, uh, but there is. And, you know, these other leagues are following the NFL. The NFL's lead. You got college basketball. Uh, yeah. they, get, they get about That's 30, 30, 30 or 40% of their games seem like they get canceled each day. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should talk about that. I'm probably going to end up writing about that too, but that's that's problematic. I mean, um don't don't oh, kill don't kill my college basketball season, Bill. Come on. Well, you know, it's that's ridiculous, man. I mean, it's one thing, you know, I mean, I, I you know, but the NFL is one thing. These guys are getting paid already. You know, it just seems like you know, college is such a plantation where you got these mostly white guys, you know, mostly white men who are making millions having these young brothers who, you know, trying to get to the league or, or some just like to play, but just, you know, I don't know if you and uh um and Khaled uh have talked about this on your um on your podcast, the next what, what, up, up next. Up next, yeah, your yeah. up next podcast. I don't know if you know if you had you know, young people actually stopping to think about do we really want to do this? I guess the answer is of course they do, right? Right. Right. The, you know, and, and I think uh Jay Billis on ESPN made a good point last night while I was watching I was watching college basketball of course mm. and um he said well you know you know of course the kids want to play all kids want to play but if it were if it were a football game and there was lightning uh outside we don't leave it into their hand we don't leave it in their hands to say right. whether they're going to play or not we we take control uh, right so right. yeah we have to have Jay Billis on uh, yeah. again again yeah he'd be another great person to talk to about all this because yeah, he's because well, I mean, he's conflicted also because he loves college basketball he makes money off of college basketball right well um, yeah but then you know he, he can't help himself to sp- but speak the truth every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. Yeah, we all are. You know, I mean, ESPN has kind of stepped in. So, all right, man. You know, <laughs> you know, which, you know, you know which side your bread is buttered. You know, so right. you know. But yeah, I mean, it's like you know, you have you know two young you know two young children, and probably maybe every day they would like to have ice cream and cookies, and you know, you say, okay, you you, you can't do that every day. You got to have some you know uh some vegetables <laughs> at some point in yeah, the day I, I try that i try that at home <laughs> sometimes it works <laughs> yeah so you know yeah so uh and then um you know nba is uh already in training camp right you know we talk about uh you know, james harden didn't uh for, currently did you, what's the story he was out some strip club or something uh yeah yeah, he, they they had video of him at a strip club. He was supposed to have, uh, uh, you know, checked in to training camp the day before, didn't do it. But you know, to me, I I don't understand the big deal. I mean, that's that's James Harden would do that regardless. You know, <laughs> he, you know he he he's always in the strip club. Not you know, we've we've seen him in the strip club before. You know, even after big losses. And well, remember uh, a couple of years ago after the big loss uh, and that awful performance, his right. awful performance. The next day, he was like. Popping champagne somewhere to remember at the concert. Exactly, you know. So people were talking about, oh, he's doing this because he's unhappy and wants to be traded. I'm like, no, he's just being. He's doing because he's James Harden, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, man, we just finished playing. Right. You know, like, give me a break here. I was just in a bubble. Yeah. When did they? When did they finish? They the season finished what? Uh, was it October? I don't know. I think LeBron said something. He was saying it's it's been 71 days, 72 days yeah, since yeah. they finished. Yeah, but, I don't think it was November. I think it must have been October or something, right? Right, right, and here you are. Like, I don't blame him. Angela. <laughs> Hello. Hey, 
How are you? How are you all doing? Good. How are you? Oh, you know, hang, hanging in there. Great. So sorry about that. I wish I had a really good reason, but my acai bowl was just late and I was hungry. So I was trying to start. It's, all, it's all good. Though I must say, though I must say, as I was driving uh, through the mountains to get here, and I, the, you know, I, I'm, I'm famous for like stopping along the way, stopping here. I said, no, I can't stop. No, I'm not going to stop here. You know, oh man, I, I can stop. No, I can't stop there. Because I said, I got to be here. Got to be here, you know, be responsible. Uh, but it's all good. I just how we roll. What did you get, by the way? What is that you you're eating? Um, and I, it's it's like a smoothie with like toppings on it, and it's a very a very LA thing for me to be having. But it's good. <laughs> it's um I'm trying to be on the straight and narrow in terms of my health and what I'm eating, yeah. so that I don't have a whole bunch of stuff that I hate to eat when much later. So I'm working really hard on it. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. I gotta get on that plan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, well, anyway, this is cool. I was just saying we did our own little introduction. This is our, uh, this is our first joint, uh, podcast. So okay. it's very exciting, and um, you know, we're big, great admirer of your work, and uh, how you uh, speak truth to power. You know, people always talk truth to power, but the issue comes when power speaks back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When power speaks back, and when and when they realize that what you say you really mean, and so you expect some change to really happen, then it's like, oh, I don't know about all right? right. So I think from what I understand about you all, um, you know a little something about that too. Yes. So yeah. I'm, it's a privilege to be here with you all as well. Yeah, it's all good. So I guess, but let me. I, I do have a question. Uh, you're an attorney. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're an attorney, and. Um, uh, uh, there's so much I wanted to ask you because this whole political thing has been. Wait, hold on. Are we? Are we, are we officially oh. starting? Oh wait a minute, Murph. You ain't recording on this. I am recording, but I'm just. Are we just hopping in like this? I'm just. Yeah. Sure. We hopping okay. in like that. It's a cold All right. open. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you late eat acai bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making sure. Okay, let it, let it, let it go, yeah. let it go, Bill. Oh no, I just. What's it been like for you? Um, uh. You know, as a as a as a journalist, just just these last uh, man, um, so last year it's been just so bizarre. I mean, I, I find myself, I at some point I stopped. I really had to put myself on a on a diet. I, you know, for years I spent most of my career getting on you know getting on sports fans about using sports as an escape. You know, mm. but you know, you know what I said. You know what. I'm gonna start using shit as an escape too, because this is just too much, man. Let me just l listen to the sports show. You know, shit doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. But what's it been like for you to be inside this this uh, political bubble, and every single hour it was just something else. Yeah, you know, I um I told somebody the other day that I feel like I have been consistently traumatized and triggered since 2016. And you don't realize the type of psychological effect it has on you. But I knew it was something because I used to, um, just to, to give you an example, in my last apartment, I had them mount two TVs mm. so that I could watch CNN on one screen and MSNBC on another screen and sometimes just flip to Fox so I could just right, see what right, was going right, on. Right. When I tell you, I damn near don't want a TV in none of the rooms in the house, right? Like, I was just like, forget it. I can't handle it. I don't, I, I don't want to see the breaking news because it's some stuff that's going to in some way oppress me or a group of people I really care about. And then I was like, well, if you have this heightened knowledge where, you know, I worked on Capitol Hill, right. I, I am a strategist, I work to solve problems. Bill, you know, for me, I'm like, this isn't what I signed up for. When I went to go work on Capitol Hill, this is not what I wanted to do. And so then what I really had to wrestle with is like, what is my role in this? And how do we dismantle the thing that we've so long talked about dismantling because it could have ended here, right? If we're not careful. Right, and so right. it really was um, an awakening. And I think that I'll never go back to... Um, watching cable news mm, really? the way that I once did because it's so reactive. I really want to be a part of solving the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Not just talking about it. Yeah, to that extent, I'm wondering, um, you know, we're talking about ratings. Like like you sometimes I'll do the dark side a little bit. I, I listen to a lot of radio because I'm in my car 
a lot. That's how I've been sheltering in place since uh, March. I've been I've driven cross country. Then I've driven. Wow. I said, let me just keep sheltering. I'm just let me go here. You know? Where did you drive? I want to hear about these road trips. Uh, Where did you? Well, you know, Bill, you yeah. used to do that before the pandemic. Also. Well, yeah, I did that before the pandemic. Oh, he got called out. He got called out. Yeah. It's not a new thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, but but I think that what happened actually, you know, um, I was uh, uh, in March. I had I flew from New York to uh, Kansas City because I had this speaking engagement at this art museum in Kansas City. And that was also the, the first day of the Big 12 tournament. And so I said, oh, let me go to the Big 12 tournament. This is Wednesday, you know, first day of March Madness and the whole thing. And things were popping a little bit. You know, there was still, you know, with early March, we're kind of, the pandemic is still, well, you're, you're from Seattle, right? You're from the West. Yeah, we'll start out your right. way. Now, oh, this is kind of something that's, China was well, somebody in Seattle, but you know how we are, man. Well, it ain't here, so it's just. So I was in Kansas City and all that, and then um, the, the the NBA shut down that day, and I thought the guy that I was sitting with the uh, the Big Twelve commissioner, and we were talking about stuff and all that, and he said, "Man, he took a call. He came back. The NBA just shut down their season." And so I was waiting for him to laugh, and he said, "No, right. I'm serious. They shut down the season because of COVID." I'm like, "Wow!" And that yeah. night. He was supposed to say, well, you know, uh, we, we got first day of the tournament tomorrow. We just have no fans. and all. But by the end of the night, everybody was shutting it down. I'm like, wow. So I had to be out of Arizona. I teach a course at Arizona State. Mm -hmm. So I was flying out to Arizona State. But by the time I got out there, you know, it was really severe. So I said, you know what? I stayed out there for a week. I'm not flying back. You know, no way I'm flying back to mm -hmm. thing and as you all said i don't need an excuse so i said i'm driving back and then yeah i'm, I'm driving back. i ended up writing the story about yeah. my drive back yeah but that that was it but um there was a question i wanted to ask you about uh just um it, it, it was just so nerve-wracking but when did it become real for you when did the pandemic become really mm -hmm. real for you you know i'm gonna be very honest with you all in saying I'm a hypochondriac. Uh oh, here we go. So but you're not a, you're not a Virgo. Started, you're a, you're a Libra. I'm, I'm technically a Scorpio. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I don't play about germs. I'm the person on the plane who had a mask on before oh, wow. the pandemic. Oh started. no, really? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was that person because I felt like every time I got on the plane, right. I got sick. Oh wow. So I was like. People don't watch that. I was I'm the person that's like, you weren't in the bathroom long enough. You need to go back and wash your hands longer. Like I'm that person. Um, or if somebody that I don't know is in the bathroom and I watch her go out of the stall and get ready to go to the door, be like, ah, ah, right? Like I'm that person. So I was already there. So now oh my God. when the pandemic hit, I was like, well, people are traveling, you know, like they're traveling and it's not going to stay contained right. in China. Yeah. And I know that I'm, you know, I'm on the West Coast. Mostly I was going back and forth between D.C. and L.A. Um, at the time. And then uh, the first quarter of the year, every year is a busy travel month for me because that's when all of our speaking engagements are. Yeah. We have under, from Martin Luther King Day through the end of the season. <laughs> that's right. That's right. On it. <laughs> yeah. So right. we literally started seeing and I'm like, you know, we're traveling through international airports. Like right. there are flights coming in. So I'm like, well, let's look at like, should we get like some rain suits or like some hazmat <laughs> right. suits or like and masks? Like what all do we get? So I or start ordering all this shit. <laughs> and right. there's like a video of me and my assistant fake twerking in rain suits because we were going to wear it on the plane. I had on my hazmat suit and I remember people being like, wow, you're right. so over the top. It's so extra. <laughs> Ask me how many of those same people now are like, you get those hazmat <laughs> suits up. That's right. Well, remember how we used so to- So it, it yeah. hit me early. Remember how we used to look <laughs> at the, uh, you know, a few years ago, a lot of people are, are Asian brothers and sisters. Yeah. They'd yeah, walk around masks. with masks yeah, and we'd be like, all yeah. right, yeah, really, you know, the yeah. mask, you know, and now- They were on to something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So if we could wear masks and wash our hands, you know, I insist on wearing um, gloves, like latex gloves to the gas station, to the grocery store. Too many people that I do it. You pick up a product, you put it back down. Right. right. You don't know where people's hands have been. People all in their no noses. They, <laughs> you know, it's it's all kind of stuff, right. you know, and you just, you have to be aware of it. I know it's nasty to have to think about germs, but it's much nastier to be on a ventilator or have headaches for the rest of your life because you don't know what kind of impact COVID is going to have on you. Right. And it hits us hard. And so I right. hate to be like that 
you know, like a downer, but I'm just like, I would rather us be safe. My dad is um, hypochondriac-ish, and I always used to be like, Dad, why are you so crazy about this? And his response in his very Shreveport way is, you still here, ain't you? So <laughs> right. that's my thing to y'all. Like, listen to this so you can still be here. No, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And, you know, one of the big reasons we're in this situation, you know, not only about, you know, half or if that number of people are smart and, you know, acting safely and wearing masks. One of the reasons we're in that situation is because of the ex-president or the president until January 20th, uh, mm -hmm. 45, uh, we've had the election. Um, Biden has won the election. Trump, of course, still trying to hold on, spreading lies. But but where are we now? You know, where you know, where do you think we are now in term in terms of turning the corner? Do, do you think we can turn the corner? How much work is it going to take? All that. You know what I think is important is that we really start having a conversation about what the corner is. Um, meaning there are uh, a set of expectations that I think a lot of people who look like us have, and we haven't articulated them. We have some intentions that haven't been shared. We have some ideas about, you know, um, what uh, freedom from oppression really is that we haven't articulated and even gotten on the same page about within our own community. Yeah. Um, you know, is it enough? Like, let's say Joe Biden had an all black cabinet. You know, is that sufficient right. if the people that he appointed right. don't do any of the things that we want done? Right. Right. Um, when it comes to the the criteria that we use to judge whether or not these people are skin folk or kin folk, how are we laying out that same set of criteria for our white brothers and sisters or, you know, our brown brothers and sisters or our API brothers and sisters? When we start talking about the policies that they immediately want to put into place, how have we weighed in around that? I thought. One thing Derek Johnson did yesterday, um, the president of the NAACP has laid out how they think that there needs to be a White House senior advisory role around racial equity right. and civil rights. Right. Um, it's brilliant, right? With, there's, there's not a reparations conversation to be had in this country without talking about equity first and foremost. And so it's, the, it's that kind of um, foresight and thinking. And it's the reason why, especially for us, we can't afford to say, I don't like politics. I don't do politics. Right. I don't engage in politics. Either you do politics or politics is going to do you. Right. right. You know, like that is, that, is, that is what we should learn, if nothing else. And so when we talk about turning a corner, we really have to talk about what it means to have a more sophisticated and strategic approach to engaging us and then to our engagement on the federal, state, and local level. You know, um, it is a discipline, but it's a discipline that no successful people in this country avoid, mm. only us. Yeah, yeah and you I, know? I think you, you raised such a great point, because I was thinking about this too, you know, you hear Biden say, you know, I, the black people have always had my back and now I have yours. I'm like, okay, now what exactly? He told y'all in the debate, he said, I'm from the black community. I said, oh. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, really? I've, I've driven to in all my drives. I've driven to Scranton. <laughs> you know, he didn't mean it like that. He meant we adopted I, him, right. and truly, we did. We adopted him and resurrected him and brought him back to life and did it again. Right. right? So he is of the black community. Apparently, we saved his life twice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but, yeah Well, yeah, but to to your point, you know, you, you just have to be more discerning. Uh, yeah. Don't throw us a whole lot of black folks. I like your term. Ken folk, I like that. That's that's Zora Neale Hurston. Yeah. I really yeah, yeah. Well, you can own it, you know. <laughs> but 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 um, you know, you have to be more discerning. And I don't know in our community if we really had that discussion yet. You know, uh, we, we really have because it's you know we, we we're polite. We you know publicly we don't want to kind of thing. We haven't really told. We haven't really dove into biracial. I mean, we haven't we haven't really touched that stuff. Uh, but maybe, maybe, and I don't know what you've seen, maybe this whole thing with the quote-unquote democracy being threatened, and that's, maybe we're about to have that kind of discussion as a people. I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Well, and, and part of it, too, is I think that um, for those of us with platforms, 
we have to understand the very important role we play in advancing that conversation. There is no discussion that will be had if it's not brought up mm. and, and, and brought up in spaces where people normally are in dialogue, even if that dialogue is screaming at your radio across country in the car, Bill, you know, but we have to start it somewhere. And I think the main thing is when we come to terms with the fact that like, okay, I'm black, but I think differently than this brother or, you know, this family member or whatever, but we still need to engage in dialogue. You know, if we think something different about housing or we think something different about access to capital or we define equity differently, all of that is fine. If you think charter schools are fine or you don't, we have to have the conversation about what real advancement looks like for our people. Nobody is going to go further to advance black people than black people. Exactly. Right. Even if Joe Biden becomes the JFK or the Lyndon B. Johnson of this millennium. Right. right? You know, he's not or this century or this decade. He is not. Um, he's not going to go further than we push him. Mm. And so, you know, I think the thing that's hardest for me right now in a space where I'm still in push mode and I love Kamala like a big sister. Um, I don't know Joe Biden as well. But I believe that um, just like Barack Obama told us once in a meeting with the Congressional Black Caucus, um, that he wasn't the president for Black America. Mm. He's the president for all of America. And if we want something done for Black people, we need to push him. This was a former member of the Congressional Black Caucus saying this. Mm. I don't take offense to that. That is all true. And we all know that as the black, black president, he was going to have a hell of a time getting something done because they didn't want him to. There were people in the Democratic Party right. who didn't want him to. Right. So why, why not um, understand that this uh, white president-elect who served under Barack Obama will also have to be pushed? Um, you know, there are black people in my comments who are like, you're not giving him a chance. Just let him. No, I don't. My, my role here is not to give him to just, well, let me just sit back and see right, what he does. Right. You can do that. Right. That is not what I'm going to do. My tradition says faith without works is dead. I'm going to work my ass off to make sure that our bases are covered. I'm going to make sure that on every on every end, whether we're talking about the Black to the Future, Black Agenda 2020, and all of the conversations they have with Black people all across this country, I'm going to make sure that Joe Biden and everybody on his team hears that from us at every turn. When I want to see Black women in the cabinet and Black men in the cabinet, Black people in other roles throughout the administration, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to expect for you to read my mind. Right. What relationship, whether it's in your family, your significant other, a, a, a student to, uh, or a teacher to pupil, who knows how to read mine? Right. I'm going to tell you exactly what, I, exactly what my expectations are, exactly what my intentions are, because I don't trust you to figure that out for me. Right, right. You got to push people. I mean, there's accountability. I think that's, to me, yeah. the word is... Two words, I guess the point I was trying to make when we talk about Biden and tell black people is that what's, what's, what I've realized, I mean, I've, I've always realized more, more succinctly and more uh, profoundly is how we as black people, we really need each other. It's not, yeah. it's not Democrat or Republican or independent. Like you, you said another way, but we need each other. That's the only reason why we've been here for four and some years. Whether it's your father, your grandfather, my father, there was always at some point in our lives a reaching back and saying, listen, I am no stronger than you. I need you to be great and survive so I can be great and survive. And, and I think we kind of got away from, from that, you know, as you get your gig, I get my gig, you know. But we really, yeah. we really uh, uh, need each other. I'm sorry, Jamal. I, I ain't sorry, Jamal, but I interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good. I was. And I agree with you, Angela, in terms of, you know, we need to speak out, you know, for what we want to be done. But is is there, like, should we all be doing that? Is there, is or is there a thin line when it comes to that, when you have, you know, a whole entire party on the other side, basically their their job is to create division uh, among us also. You know what I'm saying? Do we worry about the other side at all um, in, in terms of the, in terms of how, how they, do their business and, and, and the strategy that they use? Or, or is it just like, you know, hey, we, we're just, we want this done and, you know, we're going to get on you and make sure you do it from, from day one. When you say, the, tell me what you mean by the other side. I mean, Republicans. Okay. Yeah, well, I was just saying, because Bill was just talking about how black people, no matter who they are, so like other side, white people, other side, who, 
So, um, yeah, a lot of sides. There's a lot of sides. There are a lot of sides. Right? Like so many factions, which is a whole other conversation that we need to be having. But, um, worry, I'm trying to really walk out of worry, meaning I don't see it as a productive way to expend energy for me. Um, aware and discerning and clear eyed, yes. Um, I also think that we cater to them too much. Yeah. You know, like you look at, there was an article yesterday saying that Joe Biden is going to create a position to reach out to conservatives. <laughs> right, right, right. Bitch, you about to lose your whole base. <laughs> right, right. What are you, what are we talking about? Like, and, and even when you th- think about how black men have been talked about in post-election commentary, like, oh, black men voted for Trump 20%. Right. Let's talk about the white women at 55%. Let's talk about the white men. Majority of white people voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. Don't put that energy over exactly. here on, exactly. right? Like, come on. Yeah. And it's a distraction. So, and, and it also is an elitist um, uh, expectation, right? That like, how dare 20% of you go and do something different? It's like, why don't you get to why? Right. Right? Like, how can I serve you better so that you feel like this is the safest space for you? Clearly, there are many of us, us, me included, wrestling whether or not this two-party structure actually serves our interests. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Because you said democracy. Is democracy a two-party system? Right. Well, that's the whole dilemma. It, it, by definition, right. it's not. I mean, that means you have this, right. that. And that's not necessarily freedom. You know, yeah. You know, uh, one thing I wanted to ask ask you about. You know, our, we 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 dabble in the sports space a lot. No, not dabble. That's kind of where we come out of. And I was just wondering mm-hmm. what you saw uh, this year was just so remarkable uh, from a group of people who could be as apolitical as you like. You know, yeah. brothers and sisters, but they really stepped. They they really stepped up. Uh, you know, LeBron started talking about really start focusing on v- uh, voting. Mm. and registering to vote. Uh, the women in the NBA, WNBA, who have been way ahead of the curve in terms of protests for, I mean, for a long, a long time, uh, they actually, they were ahead of the curve even in terms of Warnock. Right. They were, yeah. That's how I first heard of him, through the yeah, WNBA. Through, through them. So, so, I so I, I, what's been your perception, uh, or has, and you went to UW, which is a football, mm-hmm. which is a sports factory, <laughs> by the way, yeah. but what's been your perception of this sports piece uh, and how it's reacted to this, um, uh, to this, you know, to the protest movement? You know, I really just want to commend um, these young people in so many ways, um, starting with the women, because the women are so often overlooked and we go straight to, you know, the NFL or the NBA, um, of course, just given the audience sizes, but the women, whether we're talking about um, arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor um, or taking on Kelly Leffler, who, you know, not only uh, disparaged uh, Black Lives Matter, but also um, stated that, that this wasn't a place to be political as if our survival is political. Wow. Um, and so I commend them all, not only for what they did leading up to um, or leading up or after George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery, but also for November and those elections and now leading up to the Georgia runoff, what they're doing. Um, You know, I wrestled a lot after the Jacob Blake incident, um, the shooting of Jacob Blake, whether or not um, the players should sit out for longer with the NBA. Um, Had had, uh, intense debates with Chris Paul (laughs) about it. who I, you know, I really came to respect his position um, that the players were better off playing, um, not to to pretend like Jacob Blake and the fact that he survived didn't matter. But what do they do when they go home? And I think the question remains: What will they continue to do? You stood up a fund, but how will that fund, you know, really increase opportunity in our communities you sure there were stadiums that opened up and became voting centers how will these things not be in response to a crisis but become normal right right um uh you know there there's so much that can be done and even 
you know, the other thing that I thought was so dope that Chris did during the season, he was representing all these different HBCUs. Bill, I know you appreciate this as a Morgan State grad. Mm. But, you know, he was representing these HBCUs, these different sneakers, every playoff game. And it made it so that HBCUs are cool. You start seeing students who are top athletes in high school now choosing HBCUs. My dad's been saying this for years. Bill, y'all should talk, especially after with this book. I got to make sure he has your book. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you start looking at this and you're like, we can actually dictate different outcomes. The very thing that black folks have been crying for, which is for capacity at HBCUs and for them to be competitive, shifts if top athletes start going to these institutions. And so you really start to recognize, thankfully, because of the courage of these players in the WNBA, the NBA, the NFL, that you actually do have all of the power, that they actually don't run you. And it shifts with a simple decision. And so hopefully those decisions will start happening in high school so that things even change for our institution. It's so funny um, when uh, when the Bucks decided not to play and it was mm-hmm. basically organic. But, yeah. but it was it was so it was almost like the light went off and said, man, if we don't play, there ain't no game. You know, right. th- there's no game. They as soon as they said they ain't playing, it was like a domino effect. Okay, yeah. what do y'all all right, we all all right, what do you what do you want? You know, what 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 you know, and I think that's become another issue. Okay, what do we want? But you're right, is there's so much power there. Uh but you know, also though the NBA and NFL are so white run. I'm like say, yeah. say you guys you really need to focus on your industry too. Let's get some mm-hmm. why is it so hard for y'all to be head coaches? Why is it so hard to get up in the C suite? You know, yeah. you know, why is it so, you know, you know, so, but, but I think you're right in that once you realize your power, you know, I, I guess in each and maybe in your, in, in all of our lives, there's been a point in our lives early on where you realize your power, your brilliance, uh, you yeah. realize, man, I could, uh, you know, I could, I could do this, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I actually wanted to ask you that, um, you grew up in Seattle, I'm just curious, this is kind of random, but what? It's one of the how did you get here kind of point. How did you get to this point? But were you always, um, uh, I don't want to say militant, but were you always, uh, you know, this, I mean, were you, were you always um, uh, an activist? Were you always, um, uh, uh, you know, focused on black empowerment, uh, black women power? Well, so before we go there, the, this point that you just raised around um, why is it so hard for players to become coaches, mm. right? One of the biggest frustrations from this summer, and I don't know if you all have experienced this, you know, there was this moment where all of a sudden it was like the scales came off of eyes and 2020 really meant perfect vision and folks could see things exactly as they are and folks could understand racism is racism is real because, oh, my God, there are disproportionately more black people dying to this right. and brown folks. And, and then now George Floyd and we don't we're not we can't go anywhere. We actually have to sit and watch this eight minutes and 46 seconds at least based on the first count, right? And so there was this shift and then money started being spent in corporations and people started putting Black Lives Matter, which was, you know, the biggest offense, you know, three or four years ago, um, or even going all the way back to Trayvon. And now it was in signature blocks on emails. (laughs) It was trending. It's on the NBA court. But if our Black lives can't matter on corporate boards, And we're not the people that you call to pay equitably as consultants and contractors. Yeah. And you don't hire our firms yeah. and you don't ensure that our newspapers and our radio stations and every, has the same ad buy, even to the Biden campaign. Yep, absolutely. You know, like what really changes? Right. What really changes? And I'm not saying that economics will solve all aspects of this, but it's not just the economics. It's how you perceive us. It's how you perceive our value and our worth. And I will tell you this, which fits right into the question you just asked me. My dad is um, an activist, a very proud agitator, one who has a bullhorn in his trunk still right now (laughs) at 78 years old. And um, named me after Angela Davis, Mm. 
Um, he loves to brag that my first protest was when I was too anti-apartheid. Mm. I was not choosing to go to said <laughs> protest, obviously. <laughs> But I'm not opposed to um, to going to one to a protest of uh, opposing apartheid, um, especially now that it's here as well. But that's another conversation for another day. Um, and so I just have never known another way of being. What I can also say is that um, I grew up in a very rainbow coalition existence. My dad was protesting alongside of African immigrants and the Asian community. You know, has been on delegation trips to the and um, helped his friend um, Roberto Maestas in creating, well, he didn't create it, but helped to fight for El Centro de la Raza, which is uh, a facility for brown people in in the Beacon Hill area in Seattle. And so my point is just, Mm. I never stood in isolation on a Black fight. Mm. Definitely pro-Black, but I'm not anti-anybody else. And I think that if we win, we all win. And I think the sooner we get there, the better it is for everybody. Mm. That, so. yeah, that, that was such a profound point, though, about getting back to the whole every corporation. Every corporation yeah. was putting Black Lives Matter. And, and even the NFL, you know, the Goodell says, kind of like Biden, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, was Black people have made this league. That's a word of timeout. You know, how much business do you guys do with Black vendors? Right. Yes. You know, how many... Uh, uh, again, how many people are on your executive board? I mean, if you go down to CNN... Walk, it's, walk through the building. Walk through the building. The corridors of power. You know, all this mess. Uh, same thing in every corporation. You know, so that's okay, but I want deeds, not words. So it's good. How, do we, how do we get to demand that? I guess that's the next level. Yeah. You know? And it, all, it, also trick, it also trickles down to the players and to us, to black yeah. people in general. Like, you know, yeah. are we are are people of wealth hiring black law firms or black right. lawyers or black accountants exactly and, right. and agents and stuff right. like that? So it's it's kind of I mean, obviously, it started it starts somewhere and we, we're kind of we kind of just fell into line, you know, on how this country uh, operates. But, we, you know, as as Angela said earlier, we have to there is like a I, we've been talking about this for years and years is the. There's a mm-hmm. responsibility that we have, you know, to stay engaged and that type of thing. So I'm wondering, how do you feel about where we are in terms of engagement? I'll, I'll just I'll keep it to, um, you know, to voting right now. Uh, we got the Georgia elections, uh, the runoffs yeah. coming up. Um, how do how do we keep that momentum? Because remember, we, we had great turnout when Obama was running and then right. we didn't have great turnout once he was gone. So we have a history right. of showing up every now and then. So how do we really ensure that that this is that we're here to stay? Yeah, and I think I think that's exactly the question. Talking about being here to stay and what we do. Like they actually go hand in hand. So engagement around where we spend our money is the same discipline that we need to ensure accountability and turnout and um overall activity in our politics, right? So you brought up the thing about, you know, how many of us use black attorneys or agents or all of my people are black. Mm. I just don't play that because what I'm not going to do is go out here and be demanding something that you don't see in my own life. Right. right. right? Um, we have an intern cohort with like, I think right now we have 70 interns, all black interns, mm. mostly from HBCUs. Right. Like we just we're like, we're not going to be a part of this conversation about, oh, we'd love to have somebody black if they're qualified. You don't put that caveat on anyone else. And we're not going to do that here. But since you're concerned, we're going to make sure they're very equipped to work with you and for you Mm. or to have you work for them. (laughs) And and so, you know, I think all of that um, applies. And even when you go down to this this piece around Georgia, the very thing that we're talking about around agenda building and making sure that black folks have what they need, none of that matters if there's not a majority in the Senate. Exactly. We know what Mitch McConnell and his friends stand for. They were not even willing to spend more money to protect the, um, the, 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 the electoral security process. Right. They weren't even willing to pass legislation for that after it passed the House twice, Right. And so I think that our reality is um, 
that we have to do this ourselves like we've always done. It is possible. Um, there are numbers the other day that came back, you know, the registration deadline for January um, was December 7th. The numbers came back 70,000 um, people. Sorry, this wasn't about registration, but 70,000 people, more people than in the November general election have requested absentee ballots. Yeah. They believe those numbers are disproportionately people of color and young people. Yeah. That's great news. That's, yeah. The thing is, we have to make sure that people return their ballots. We have to make sure that, you know, as early voting days are, you know, coming up and they go right through the end of the year, that people are turning out to go to the, you know, early voting. Shout out to uh, Fair Fight and to the New Georgia Project and to uh, Black Voters Matter um, and, and my folks at Elect Justice and everybody doing this work is so important. All the organizations I didn't name who are knocking on doors safely because they wash their hands and wear masks. <laughs> um, it's just so important. And, and the work is on all of us, even if we don't live in Georgia. Yeah. You know, yeah, there, there was, um, in fact, I was, uh, I was talking to a sister, Elizabeth Williams, who plays for the Atlanta Dream and the uh, mm -hmm. WNBA. And we were saying, you know, uh, uh, that it's important that athletes continue just to keep the, the, the foot on the, uh, on, you know, the pedals to the metal. Uh, all yes. those brothers and sisters who play in Atlanta for the Falcons and for the Hawks, yes. just to keep it going because I think I think so. I think the the mere fact that you had POTUS forty five, anything he's involved in galvanizes us. You know, yes. if he's involved, it ain't good for us. So, right. and I think sometimes we need to see that polarity. We need to say, oh yeah, our survival <laughs> is at stake. So we're going to show up. So I, I I you know I hope so. And let me ask you about that. You know, I've heard a lot of people will say <laughs> that, you know, the, that Trump, the Trump four years were, you know, was a good thing because it woke, it woke people up. Um, it, it may have woke, it may have woken us up to stay. Hope we'll see. Hopefully, um, you know, there's no way I could call it a blessing in disguise. There's no way that's, <laughs> right. that's a blessing. But do you, do you think that, you know, we could, I know we hope this, but do you actually think, that we'll look back uh, in history and say, you know, that was that was the point where we realized, you know, we have to stay engaged or else they're going to take it to a place where they want to take it. Um, you know, it's so hard, and I, in a, just from a place of compassion and empathy, I don't ever want to um, look at this time where you know, nearly three hundred thousand people. Right. Is it? Are we over three hundred thousand people? How many people have died from COVID now? Close, anyway, close, close. We, 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 close. 100,000 to 200,000 mark. Right. No, yeah, we were close. It was, it was over um, 280 a week. Yeah. I just, let me just, I'll check. But the, the point I'm raising is I don't want to look at um, this time right. and be like, oh, this was good for us because of this, because there's so much loss that had to take place. You know, it's 286,000 right now. Um. And then you think about the number of people who have had to, you know, shutter doors on businesses that were their lifelong dreams. And you think about the number of black people who've been killed at the hands of police um, or people who thought they were just as important as the police or above the law. And um, what I hope happens is that black people realize that it doesn't take crisis for us to appreciate our value anymore mm. or our power. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Dr. King defined power as the ability to achieve purpose, how can we ensure that we're always living on purpose and always providing that opportunity and ability to other people who are oppressed? Um, we don't have to have it all to be able to do something. You know, we're all able to do something. So what is that thing and how can we ensure that we never put it down because every day that we open our eyes again it's another opportunity to not only open a door so that we can walk through and live our best life but it's to keep that door open for somebody else so i don't want to be you know the type of folk that require tragedy or crisis to move the needle and i don't want to celebrate it i will tell you it's been an amazing year of awakening but i regret God, I regret how much it took for us to get to this point. I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really our guest, uh, our guest is the wonderful uh, Angela Rye, and I guess we're her guest too. 
I don't know how we do that. Yeah. Our guest is, <laughs> and, and we're her guest. But uh, Angela, before I mean, man, this is so much I'd like to ask you. And by the way, um, there's a, uh, uh, I run this, um, uh, I don't know what we call it, Foundation for the Undefeated. It's the Rose mm -hmm. Fellows. And uh, it's, it's uh, each year for the past four years, we get six bright students, six great students from six HBCUs. Yes. And it's a fellowship. It's a year-long paid fellowship. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really been remarkable. You work with young people and mm -hmm. to see kids blossom. But they would really love, I would love, uh, now nah, I don't want to put you on. We, we can cut this out, Jamal. I don't want to put on. <laughs> no, you can put it on. I'd love to talk I, I would to love them. For you too, I would uh, love to talk to them. Would love um, to hear more about the program. Have talked to Kevin a little bit about the program. Mm -hmm. um, and would love to see it continue to grow and get bigger. Um, would love for young people, shoot, even in our intern, we have three cohorts, love for them to know about it and get engaged, um, love to get more corporate sponsors so that there are more and not less, um, would love to challenge all the sports leagues to put money up so there are more things, seriously, like really getting people to understand what it will take to build capacity and be real dedication and effort. But yes, you got me. <laughs> but my, my point was going to ask you a kind of you know sports uh what what's uh, do you play sports have you played sports uh we wanted to kind of ask you who do you think you know what's your favorite sport your favorite teams you know since this is you know bill Rowe no sports we gotta ask you some sports stuff but. well i'm with it um again grew up watching uh basketball a lot with my dad some football he tried to make me watch baseball that's like watching paint dry i don't mind going to a baseball game though after covid right. um so let's see i think that um one lifelong seattle supersonics fan so i'm wanting the thunder <laughs> mm -hmm. to send my team back um what else uh before colin i was a very very like big seahawks fan and that came later because i when i was growing up i felt like the seahawks were always losing mm -hmm. and then after cap like now this year i'm like okay can i watch football again it's been kind of tough for me to figure out how to get back engaged because it was really frustrating to see how that was handled. Um, but I'm kind of starting to watch now. One, um, one eye. Just got it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, because that's what I told my dad. I was like, what are we doing, dad? My dad lasted the first season. And after that, he was like, listen, I can't do it. Right. I tried. Right. Um, and then what else? Um, I wish I watched more WNBA. I need to. Mm -hmm. But I'm clearly more basketball. I used to downhill ski race. Okay. Up. All right. That's uh, real. Oh, okay. I basketball. I, in fact, I did a three-point contest with Snoop and lost miserably. The Snoop challenge. Challenge. I'm going to be ready next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, she got some sports cred, you know. Uh, uh, a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, well, and I was a Fab Five fan. Jalen yes. knows. Like, I'm like, okay, I want a Fab Five reunion. Like, what's going on? Yep. I had the black Nike socks, the jerseys, all that. I told Chris, you know, uh, you know, for, you know, I was talking to him for the book, and I said, you know, Chris, man, what you guys did was a rebellion, but it wasn't a revolution. You know, mm. said if you five would have gone to Howard or Alcorn or whatever, it would have the, the repercussions of that would would have been phenomenal but right. i get it yeah. and, they and they still would have went to the final four they still would have gone to the final four yeah. that's that the whole point <laughs> and not only that 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 you would have been more known if you go to these big white schools you're just another some other black guys who make a rich institution richer if you go to yeah. all corner how it takes them to the final four we're still talking about you today we built well we're still talking about the fab five today but your point in a is different a way huge one yeah. because it would have been so many other fab fives after that right you know what i mean right. like it's your point is 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 tremendous and that's the same thing again my dad I, like i really want to get y'all together because this has been his point forever like he's always talking about his, and he wants of course um college athletes to be paid mm -hmm. you know there's, there's so many stories i know you all have them i have them from people i went to school with from people I talk to just to understand, there are kids using their scholarship money to pay their mom's cell phone bill. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's not fair. They're, I mean, the coaches are making millions. Yeah. You know? And it's like, it, you just, you can't reconcile those things, but yes. But we like I your dad, we like your dad to be on the program. He's got an open invitation so we yes. can debate that point. Oh, he would love yeah, that. I, 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 I'll tell him. Yeah, please. I should have brought him with me you today. Should. He wouldn't let me get away. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, 
before we let you go, you, like you said, you're a sports fan. Um, you mentioned something just now about, yeah, about the college athletes obviously should be paid, um, but they're, they're playing during a pandemic, these college kids. <laughs> and so, and so are the professional sports leagues. What, what's your feeling as, you know, you see this going on. What, what's your feeling about all that? Like the fact that they're, they're, they're just trying to power through, through a, a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand both sides of the issue. I understand um, folks needing an outlet, but I just keep wrestling with at what cost. Um, you know, when the NBA again was talking about going back right around George Floyd and I was like, man, how powerful. What else could you guys extract from the league? Right. And therefore, the, you know, the rest of our community be able to extract from the federal government, state and locals and from corporations if you just wait a little bit, little bit longer. And so the question really becomes um, not the fact they're playing now because they're playing, but when there's something else that will happen because there will be a thing, can they sit down and be disciplined enough to say, you know what? Last time, the saw wasn't as good as you all promised. And this time, we really aren't coming back until my community has what it needs to really thrive and survive. And I think that's what is required of us right now. It's a different level of discipline. We are a spiritual people. And I just got to believe that um, there's something greater for us. Yeah, yeah, Uh, that's well said. I think we should stop there because you can't get any better than that on that on that sense of hope, really, because that's what drives us. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's what's carried us all these years. You know, just uh, you look yeah. back at your grandmother. You know, whenever something goes down, that's the first thing I do. You know, I tell my daughter that. I said, you know, yeah, it's tough, but if you just go back four generations to your mm-hmm. great grandmother, who had no, I mean, no, I mean, no reason, no reason to 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 go another step, but there was joy and hope. I mean. She would look at you and say, if she knew that in 1865, that you'd be where you are or we'd be where we are, she'd say, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, that, and let me go back. You know, it's just that sense of joy and hope that, that's carried us through. I mean, it's that, that kind of power. So, you know, when I see you and, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it, it just gives you, the, you know, me the joy and hope that, man, we're going to be okay. But you got to keep grinding. You know, you got to keep grinding. I have this uh, necklace. This is Harriet Tubman on here. Wow. And um, I love this because she has the little lantern. Mm. And to me, I'm like, all right, Mm. that's my guy. So when you just said that, I was like, let me shout out this connection. Harriet. Because it's it's something that reminds you, man, you think about the resilience it took to go back 19 times. That's right. Mm. So that might mean that, yeah, we sat out one time and then we didn't get what we wanted, but it's never going to get old. Right. And it, we're never wrong for demanding what we need to be our best selves. That's right. Demanding that from each other. That's right. Demanding that from ourselves and then demanding that from the people who we pay. That's right. Talking about politicians and the people who we insure pay talking about these places where we work in whatever capacity. So. That's right. Right. That's right. Well, whew, all right. <laughs> that's great hey Angela this is this has really been uh tremendous so and so so happy that we got a chance to visit you know you see people in a whole different light you know mm-hmm. sometimes you see people say one thing in studios and then you know when you kind of realize they ain't really found the truth where it leads but it's really wonderful uh to uh to share this kind of time with you but tell your dad you know, that he's got to oh, open it because so we... <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it'll you be a, a fun it. convo. That's going to be a fun oh, convo. I'm, I'm, I'm calling in for that. I just want to hear it. But yeah, my dad, he's got he's got a few things that he cares about. It is a federal designation for the United States enslaved. He's He regularly regularly corrects me if I talk to say slaves. He was like, we were not slaves. Right. We were enslaved people. Mm-hmm. So he says he talks about that and he talks about how important it is to pay uh, college athletes. And he talks about how um, the leagues, all the leagues need to put a portion of their money, at least 10 percent in black banks. Mm. Um, What else? Eddie Rye got he'll go when he comes on. Mark my words. It's going to be these five things that I'm trying to forget (laughs) what my other two are trying to remember. My other two are, oh, that they do business with black vendors and. Black vendors, like 
definitely more coaches. Mm-hmm. He's def he's serious about that and GMs. But yeah, watch it. He gonna he gonna bring them all up. I'm looking forward to it. He's, he's actually. It for years. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. No, this is gonna be great. All right. yeah. So Angela Angela Rise is our guest. Where she's with CNN. Uh, so that that does not do her justice. But just so you'll know, uh, CNN. She's an attorney. You work with the Black Caucus, right? I did. I sit on two boards still. I have my own podcast on one with Angela Rye. This done very, very well. And um, yeah, living, moving, and growing <laughs> and being navigated by a great leader. That's right. here no on doubt. That's <laughs> this little light of mine. All right. Hey. All right. Hey, Angela, thank you so <laughs> thank much. You this is so this much. is tremendous. Go back to eating the ice cream. Man. <laughs> no, I'm done. It's not ice cream. Smoothie. See how you act, Bill? I'm not going to tell you nothing. You just Donald Trumped me at the end of a good podcast. <laughs> Donald Trump, oh my God. It's an acai bowl. That's like a smoothie. It's like a liquid. It's good for you, Bill. Okay. It's good. That's the point. It's good. So I just reduced, I'm sorry, I just reduced it to ice cream. Jamal, we could edit that out. I reduced it to ice cream. Yeah, we don't want to slander her name. No, leave it in there. And leave in. He just Donald Trump's me at the end of a highly spiritual podcast. I know all that. Then, and then you, you, we all that high ground and all that. And then you eat nice cream, and I'm Donald Trump. Ain't this? <laughs> Damn. Everybody gasping at the end. Oh no! Thank you, Jamal. <laughs> Thank no you problem. Jamal. It's all staying in. Don't worry. Bye, you guys. Bye. Thanks a lot. That's <laughs> <Thank> funny. You. <laughs> All right, so everybody, uh, I think that's unless Jamal has anything else. That's uh, our show for today. It looks like the Ravens. Uh, this will come up tomorrow, so you know, it looks like the Ravens are. Well, I wouldn't say the Ravens are back. The Ravens. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys are just terrible. The Cowboys are not back. Then I, mean, I, I, would, I mean, they play absolutely no defense, so I couldn't even judge what the Ravens were doing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then and, you know, thought, sometimes you know that'll give you confidence. You know, you play against a terrible team, and all of a sudden. You know, you get your you get your confidence back. So maybe yeah. maybe the Ravens got that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, they play Cleveland. Right. So, man, yeah. if you don't beat anybody else, beat Cleveland because the whole Baker Mayfield thing, man. Yeah. You're not feel, you're not feeling the Baker Mayfield. No, hype. you know, actually, I respect the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he was he was uh, what's the word? He was um, impetuous. Mm. He's kind of you know uh, a little humble. It's you know, it's not the white athlete that's the problem. It's the media surrounding the athletes who continue to do right. this great white hope thing. That's right. it. The athlete, I mean, he benefits from it, but I think a lot of them know, right. you know, what is it? it's, it's the media and stuff around that just makes anything you do like eight times more, <laughs> you know? Right. So that, that's the, that's the issue. And, he, and in a weird way, not, not totally, of course, but he's, he's had kind of the black, a semi black experience at, with right. the media, like how how the media usually treats the black dude, he, he's right. gotten a little bit of that. A little bit, yeah, he got a little taste of it. Like Tim Tebow got a little touch yeah. of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. enough to say, okay, let me let me deep dip in my whiteness. <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> how could y'all? And, may, and maybe that's the reason that 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 they that he gets that because they they you know he's he cut he came across he was always cool with with the brothers you know what I'm saying like dancing and stuff like that you know a lot of right. times people a lot of times your own people try to humble you. That's right. They say, okay, you want to be black? Okay. We'll show you, we'll show you what that's we'll like. We'll show you. We'll show you. Know, and ain't just, you know, being able to dance. Right. <laughs> yeah. right, 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 right. All right. Uh, good. And then the NBA season starts. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, NBA season. Yeah, NBA season starts Friday. You know, we're still, mm-hmm. we're still covering the Nets. So I've been, um, uh, you know, listening in to their uh, media availability with, you know, Kevin Durant. Kyrie has kind of uh, refused to talk to the media so far, which is very interesting. I don't understand why. Um, and then also the also the Giants, who are you know we, unbelievable, we are back in the mix and look yeah. like the best team in the NFC East. That's not saying much, but and they could you know each time the Jet Giants have won the Super Bowl, it was it was like on a run at the very end of the season. Very true. You know when they were like you know sputtering and then Eli took them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe who knows? this is another. Just want to just want to get to Daniel the dance. Jones. That's all that counts. Get to the dance. Anything can happen. Yeah. Uh, then there's hockey, soccer. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> but um, but of course, my spiel. Thanks a lot uh, for listening. Um, as usual, uh, appreciate the support. Keep following. Keep subscribing. Um, keep following us on social media on Twitter at Bros Pod and also Instagram at Bros Pod and Facebook. Bill Roden on sports. 
We appreciate all the support. It's been great. That's right. And if you uh, happen to live in the state of Georgia and avoiding age, vote. Those senatorial elections are really, I mean, vote Democratic. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right. know, don't vote senator- for people who are, who are trying to, uh, see, you know, take you to your demise. Right, to eliminate you. Don't don't vote against your best interests. Right. So if you're in Georgia, I think we may, we probably have a few listeners in Georgia. Oh, yeah. Uh, vote. Okay. Vote, if there are vote. black people in Georgia, we got, we got listeners there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Listen, everybody continue to stay safe. Uh, you know, and, uh, and um, you know, it's God bless. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.